Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike and this is Tammy. How's it going, Tammy? Hi, everybody. Coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada on this gorgeous Thursday, July 6, 2023. Coming right up, we are in the Book of John. You don't want to miss this, but please first consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. The Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. Help us glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word to a hurting family, a hurting human family with the love of Christ. His message has to be conveyed to others. That's our job. That's the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ put on us through his apostles, his disciples, and we are apostles and disciples of Christ. And so are you out there. Uh, companionchapel at gmail.com and companionchapel.com. If you can help us keep bringing these to you, if we've helped you, Help us keep bringing these in, bringing these broadcasts to you. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. Now, please turn with me in your Bibles to the Book of John, and we're in John chapter one, and the first five verses were a big deal. So we did a whole podcast on that, and now we're in. Uh, and speaking of podcasts, this is episode four hundred and forty-seven, and I would like to say to the people listening on podcasts, Spotify, Apple, or whatever you get your podcasts. In Ireland, Germany, Nambia, Africa, United States, through Florida, Virginia, Washington, Ohio, California, Oregon, Texas. We want to hear from you. Companionchapel at gmail.com. Just write an email just to say, hey, we're out here and, uh, you know, we're, we're studying with you. We're all part of the many-member body of Christ. And you remember, Father wants his children back. They can only be reconciled through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't romanticize who you think God is. Where the Lord Jesus Christ is. You have to get to know him. We're going to be talking about that today. Go, uh, please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1 and verse uh, 6. Now there's John that penned the Bible, uh, the book of John, the epistles of John, and the book of Revelation. Remember, it's divine revelations, not man's imagination. This was penned by the same John here. Now, there's another John we're going to be talking about right now. That's John the Baptist that we know about from Luke chapter 1. He was six months older than our Lord Jesus Christ, born just days or conceived just days after the course of Abiah, which is June 25th, 26th, six months older than our Lord Jesus Christ. And that gives us the date as we open the book and let it speak for itself for the Immaculate conception of our Lord Jesus Christ and his birthday, which would have been nine months later. Okay, so turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 6. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist, son of Elizabeth and son of the Levitical priest Zechariah that we read about in Luke chapter 1. And remember, when we talk about John the Baptist, Jesus Christ said there was never a greater apostle since or ever will be than John the Baptist. So what John said and what John did, which was limited in the Bible, there's not much, is of extreme importance that we come to an understanding, not only his birth date, his conception, but what he said and what he did. Okay, so the same, this is John the Baptist, came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Our Lord Jesus Christ is that light in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 to 18. The greater of the two unique light givers. It's that masculine noun that runs threads through the Bible, runs a thread through the Bible. That is the light that comes from the sanctuary. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ is the light. He is the truth, that great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. Now, there's a lesser of the two unique light givers. That's Satan himself. That just means adversary. And what did Satan do? He defiled the sanctuary as it's written in Ezekiel chapter 28. Be careful where you get your light from, what light you follow. He is the light that we might through him believe. John was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light and the natural order of things, of course, in Revelation chapter 1. The message comes from God himself, Yahweh, our loving Father. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, first and foremost in importance, most precious in the universe, that light. And then it goes to the angels. That means messengers. Jesus Christ is the angel of light. He is that bright shining life force that's written of in Numbers chapter 24, the star of Jacob as it's promised. And then it goes through the apostles and disciples and it's supposed to be spreading the seeds of truth throughout the world, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the great commission for all of us to all our human family, all humanity. He was set to bear witness of that light. When you say the word witness, it's very interesting in the Greek. It's the same word martyrdom. So let that sink in for a minute. As we're in the fifth seal, vial, and trump right now, we're in the dynasty of the censorship of truth that's called the great apostasy, and it's killing of the truth, killing of us trying to witness God's word, martyrdom. And as we see when we look at the analytics, me and Tammy here, um, of us trying to broadcast, and we've done this for quite some time, Many Even uh, there's uh, broadcasts we've done from 214, 215, 216. And now we're on a podcast, number 447. We notice when we say certain things that we are automatically algorithms dump us to the bottom and our videos and podcasts get absolutely nowhere on censored platforms. You know who controls you by who you can't talk about and the things you can't talk about. And when you can't talk about the truth, it's just God's word coming to light. It's God's trademark stamp of validity. Jesus Christ told us all things. In Mark 13, you will be in the dynasty of the censorship of the truth. For example, first page of the Bible. It's so critical to understand the first page of your Bible. And you hardly ever hear anybody teach it. I haven't heard anybody teach the first page of the Bible like me and Tammy have put it through from the manuscripts through the lexicons. And we found patterns that run through the Bible from the etymology of the key words, metaphors, figures of speech that interpret the Bible for itself. Those threads that run through the Bible are the structural fabric of the key of David itself for understanding and interpretation. So when people say to me, that's your interpretation, I say, I document this right from the manuscripts through the lexicons and I'll show you those threads that run through the Bible. The English argument is pointless. We go back to the pure Hebrew, the true sense, meaning, and full expression of those words. Have a deeper meaning, it paints a picture in your mind for understanding god is not the author of confusion to bear witness of this light and back to the algorithms when i put on for example on youtube the end frame and of uh to understand the first page of your bible those videos get dumped and if you can help us by just like subscribe comment share and hit the notification bell you're not helping us we're not about likes and subscribes and we have no financial interest in the outcome of this obviously it's a registered nonprofit mm -hmm. we've done 447 podcasts for one twenty dollar donation and that just goes to show we've been censored here and 
It's up to all of you out there, part of the many member body of Christ, whatever God-given talent you have, to try to get God's word out there. Try to get the light out there to shine forth. And so let's go on to the next. Uh, did I finish that thought, Tammy? Yes. Yes, okay. you did. Verse nine. There was the true. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And you know what's interesting about this verse? When I go back into First Kings chapter nine during Solomon's reign and mankind goes around digging up people's stuff from way back into way into Egypt into Gezer Egypt they find lights there like lamps obviously oil lamps in Gezer Egypt with them uh, what do you call that when you etch something in scribing or yeah etched into them the light of Messiah shines forth for all and that happened during Solomon's reign when his kingdom was just massive. But people knew back then the Messiah is coming. His light is the truth. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. But as many as received him to them gave he power to them to become the children of God, it should read, even them that believe on his name. Now we're going to go through this in the next... Just hold on to that thought about the word new and no, and maybe I'll go there now. It's ido. It the word no is ido, and it means in the Greek means it takes an effort to get to know him by seeing, learning, listening, paying attention, observe and behold. It's a formula of invitation. People don't know him, and it's up to us to get that light to shine forth into people's hearts into their psyche that's your spirit the intellect of your soul and as many as received when you receive him you get the power the intellectual power of your spirit to become back to the children of God remember we just did the book of uh, Hosea Loami you're not my children anymore God's not messing around he's not running a day carrier it's up to the individual and then he says, Amy, you are my children. So get to, people don't receive him, and that's all there is to it. It's just the same back then. It's the same now. Um, God has expectations on free will entities, and it's all up to the individual. A lot of people say, you know, say to me and Tammy, oh, I'm Greek Orthodox, or I'm Catholic, and I'm just like, you know, I don't want to be condescending to anybody or patronize anybody, but I just feel like saying, whippy do. Like, let's open the book and let's minister it together let's fellowship together let's start on page one and let's see what god's got to say because when you meet your maker and you will die at the most inconvenient time no matter how big of a star you think you are and there you are did you get the time did you take the time to get to know in matthew chapter 7 depart from me you never took the time to get to know me so that word know is a big word it takes an effort to get to know him by seeing, learning, listening, paying attention. It's a formula of invitation. Verse 13. Who, it should say, who were born. Us, the whole human family, were not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What God is telling us here through John is I created my human family, all these free will entities, in a spiritual body. And remember what the spiritual body is. It's an energy. It's a closed system. It cannot exchange physical matter. 
We have two bodies as it's written throughout the Bible. We have our flesh body and our spiritual body. Your spiritual body has to go somewhere when you die because energy cannot be created or destroyed. It's bound by the laws of thermodynamics. But there's also entropy information theory. Like when we're talking now, when me and Tammy are talking, we're not exchanging physical matter. And so be careful that that transformation of energy information doesn't corrupt your spirit, your psyche, the intellect of your soul. Remember, your soul just means your life force. Don't allow it to get corrupted. This flesh body is also bound by the laws of thermodynamics. It takes in physical energy or physical matter. It takes in food, kinetic energy, heat out the back door and back into the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's your spiritual body. That's what's being said here over and over in the Bible. God created spiritual beings. He didn't want to put us in the flesh as it's written. He said, I repented. I had to do this. That just means he sighed with disappointment. He wants his children back. We have a hundred years or less with each and every one of us to come back to our Lord Jesus Christ with an unquestioned obedience so we can get on with the eternity, so we can cohabitate with God, our Father, in the circuits of time, in our spiritual bodies. So verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory in the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's a lot said here. Our Lord Jesus Christ the very darling soul, as it's written in Psalms 22, Psalms 35, a very piece of God's own life force was in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin, immaculate conception, and the word became flesh. That's that conception. That it should have stopped there in the, in the Bible, period. And dwelt among us as tabernacled amongst us. He became our teacher, our master, our rabbi. That's a, at birth. And then his ministry started when he was 30 years old. Three years, he was tripping around. He is your teacher, your master, your rabbi, your wonderful counselor. He is wisdom personified. He is God. This is what? A part of God. It's a similitude of God that walked amongst us. And his glory, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. He is the only begotten Son of God. First and foremost in importance, most precious in the universe. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of who I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, in Proverbs 8, in the beginning, wisdom was there. When God became a consciousness, he's letting us know, before the first Adam was formed on the highest part of the dust of the earth, he became a consciousness. And wisdom was there. Wisdom personified. Jesus Christ personifies wisdom. He personifies grace. He personifies mercy. And he walked amongst us. Of course he was preferred before. He was there before God created all of us, all his children. As we all used to shout out and sing for joy. The whole human family in totality. Job chapter 38 verse 7. In infinite felicity. Exceeding joy. Until something happened. We fell. One third of us fell. And we're trying to get back on track now. John bear witness of him. That, that was uh, John's. That's what he was supposed to do. Uh, going back to verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7 14. Emmanuel. God with us. He walked amongst us. Full of grace and truth. Oh, my God is the God of truth. 
John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of who I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and he is, and of his fullness have we received and grace for grace. What is his fullness? Spiritual completeness. Grace for grace means continuously, uninterrupted. When you repent, he forgives you. God doesn't, our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't hold grudges. He teaches us. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ held grudges? You know, what, 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 does, what happens when people don't forgive? Only weak people don't forgive. They hold grudges and they hold bitterness. They get roots of bitterness growing up in them. It's the internal passion of the mind. You feel it. Who hasn't walked like that? I have anxieties, worries, holding grudges, being disappointed with others to the point I want to get that person back. Everybody's walked like that. You get a feeling of like empowerment, but the punishment lies within the sin itself. You end up, that feeling of empowerment turns into lonely bitterness. You have to forgive and consider human frailty. Strong people forgive, consider human frailty, and intelligent people can see the construct of it coming and know how to act accordingly, govern yourself accordingly, and people will always disappoint you, and you just want to hang around with people that disappoint you a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> John bear witness of him in his fullness and we receive grace for grace unmerited favor for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ what did the law represent it was an exhibition of truth but Jesus Christ himself is the truth the very personification of the truth and supreme manifestation of grace the only one found worthy our Lord Jesus Christ no guile no malice no corruption was found in him right down to when he was absolutely tortured and humiliated. He still said, I forgive these people, they don't know what they do. He's giving them another chance to repent. And forgiveness is a big deal. No man has seen God at any time. Stop right there. People say to me, well, Moses saw God. Well, I'd ask you to turn to Numbers chapter 12, 8. He saw a similitude of God. What about Jacob? Angel of God, messenger of God. That's what angel means. Jesus Christ is the messenger to God, your mediator, your advocate. What about Abraham with Melchizedek? Again, the Lord Jesus Christ was Melchizedek, king of the just, as it's written in the book of Hebrews. You have to understand, God executes performances far beyond our current understanding of physics. If Jesus Christ walked then as Melchizedek, as the angel of God, and then as a babe born in a manger... He's here for us. He wants his children back. God wants his children back. He sent his son down here. His only begotten son, a very piece of his darling soul. That word darling in the Hebrew means a lot more than what we would think in this English translation. Psalms 22, Psalms 35. Very piece of God's personal life force was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he's presented here in the book of John as God himself. And this is the record of John, John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? Let's go through this. Okay, This is so epically important. We have Hebrews, Israelites, Jews, and Jacob, and then the sons of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then we have Judah. Now you have to read your Bible very carefully, and, and it comes through, listen, does anybody know their true tribe now? When people call themselves Jews, I right away say, so you followed your ancestry back to 
brother Judah, one of the 12 patriarchs? Who was the father of those 12 patriarchs? Jacob himself. There was 12 tribes and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. And then it became 10 northern tribes were just called Israel. Then in the Bible, they're called Ephraim and Manasseh and they were scattered around the world. Ephraim means double blessed. Manasseh means forgetful. Where did this double blessed and forgetful people go? Well, you look at Israel today. It was only been Israel since 1948. So you look at where Jerusalem is today is what I should have said to stop any confusion. And you can see where the migration took place up through Europe, over Canada, United States. There's churches all over the place. We have access to the Bible. Everybody does, whomsoever will. Double blessed in both safe nations. And then we spread throughout the world as it's written in the book of Hosea that we just read. And in the book of Genesis, your seed will be like the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. The, 12, the 10 tribes of Israel aren't lost. They're everywhere. And we adopt ourselves back into that. Romans chapter 9 says, Who are Israelites today? Pertaineth to the adoption. Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer, as we learn in the book of Ruth. Once you submit with an unquestioning obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent from any ideologies, that's idolatries outside of God's word, then you can adopt yourself back into that family. God calls his family Israel. So who are the Hebrews? Hebrews just denotes in the Bible the language they spoke. Israelites now means whomsoever will. If it was, when you people say Jews today, I'm like, are you, can you follow your posterity back to the sons of Judah, one of the 12 patriarchs? And that was only written in the Bible maybe once or twice back in the Old Testament, the word Jews into the English, it means sons of this particular patriarch, Judah. Now, how did this word evolve into an adjective here when it talks about the Jews? is an adjective and remember this in the hebrew language and i know this is greek but john was a hebrew man so he drew he would have hebrew thought patterns and it turned into the greek here jews became an adjective it became a trait noun this word jews here now means in the bible there's no racism don't you think otherwise there's no racism in the bible no. jews in the Bible, it says Jews here, not Israelites, not Hebrews, not sons of Jacob, not sons of Judah. It says Jews means a clergy of people and their congregation that are hostile towards the Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity. There's no racism here whatsoever. It means you've adopted yourself into those ideologies. And what did these people do? They orchestrated the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had him nailed to a cross. It's the lead clergy of the time. It's one of Satan's four dynasties to change your religious authority through deception. And big religion, mainstream religion, does that today by marginalizing God's word. What did these people do? This clergy. They took Moses' laws to look holy, put on a big holy religious show for money for man's admiration. They did all kinds of ceremonies and wore all kinds of costumes. You see it today. It's all ceremonial and they added their own laws to it. The Jews is not a race of people. Unless you can go back and say, I am one of the sons of Judah. Then you can put 
uh, perpetual posterity of parentage on that be very clear or you could say back then you could say the Gentiles you say oh you're you're Jews like in Ezra and Nehemiah because they went back to the land of Judea so be very careful to rightly as it's written divide the word so we can see the pattern here the Jews the lead clergy sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask who are you John John the Baptist what are you doing down there and he confessed and denied not but confessed I am not the Christ I'm not the Christ okay you know what was John doing down in the wilderness now at the River Jordan well he wasn't in a church putting on a big show he was wearing very like just normal clothing like mm -hmm. just he was wearing a camel skin he wasn't wearing a big dress with a big cap you know acting all holier than thou he was out in the wilderness who else was a man of the wilderness Moses himself a man of the wilderness where are you going to find the truth when you look at the patterns that run through the Bible you're gonna find it in the most unexpected spot are you going to find it in the churches Satan defiled the sanctuary that's the seminaries that's why you never seem to get taught the Bible when you go to church and we pray for those people if you're not learning this book what are you learning catchphrases and pamphlets and 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 singing songs that okay so you have to really don't allow someone to think for you have some critical thinking and think independently and if you've been pumping money into a church and you can't open this book to any page and pick up the thought the message being conveyed it's extremely serious your eternal soul counts on this then go back in and ask for your money back what are you learning all these pastors and preachers are learning catchphrases and they rip through the bible and it sounds great you gotta admit it tammy these yeah, sermons and stuff, like sometimes you watch them, it's just, wow, that sounds really religious. They put on a big show. Yeah. But they... I mean, it's hard not when we've been to some churches and we go in, it's hard not to get pumped up oh, and yeah. excited you and get adrenaline. feel that adrenaline. It's adrenaline. It is. It's, it's hard not to feel good. It's, it's hard not to be all hyped up and happy but that's but, not what this is about. But, this is about learning the Bible, well, fellowshipping. We go back yeah. to our pickup truck after we go to church for three months. We don't go to churches anymore. This is the Church Companion Chapel. And we'll look at our Bibles. Remember, even going back 15 years and go, like, we haven't learned anything. Like, what's this mean? What's that mean? And we go and we ask them, like, is there a Bible study here? Can we learn the book of Revelation? And they'll tell us it's not meant to be understood. There's many interpretations. It was written a long time ago. The laws don't apply. So they eat pork and they call themselves reverend. These things are forbidden in the Bible. And we pray for these people. It's only one book. Okay, so I don't know how I got off track there. But he was asking, who is, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what, oh, about teaching in the wilderness. Okay, you're going to find a Bible study somewhere. You can come out here, Companion Chapel, and we'll put the address at the bottom of the screen. We have a Bible study every day. But people like the big show. They like the pomp. They like the ceremony. And they think that's religious. Now, religion just means follower of one's own beliefs. And worship means what you have faith in. And you better have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What he said and what he did. And not some guy standing there. They got big charisma. Hold on. I mean, you can't just fade away, though. You can't just have faith. You have to have works. And faith without works is dead. As it's written in the book of James, be very careful. People say they faith and love Jesus. And I say, 
I'll see your faith. Show me your works. Like, let's open the book and let it speak for itself. And it's sad. They can't do it. They can't do it. You know, I was kicked out of that church over there and they called me a Jew. They said, we can't have Jews coming into this church. I was like, I just prayed for those people. It was it was incredibly frustrating. I went in there for six months. Yes. We never opened the Bible together as a congregation. I kept asking the pastor, let's get a Bible study going. Let's get a Bible study going. And he told me, do you have any formal training? I said, I haven't been to a seminary. And I stopped there. I don't want to get on somebody's case. I'm not here to you know, condes- be condescending. He said, I don't understand this book. He said it flat out. I don't understand the book of Revelation. I don't know the first page of the Bible, what you're talking about. I've never heard before. I was like, I pray for you. Let's have a Bible study together. I've been studying for over 25 years. And you went to uh, a seminary for three years and learned churchosity. You learned Gnostic teachings. You learn how to get the money into the plate. And you're allowing these elders to dictate what's going on in the church. It was the elders that voted, get, get this guy out of here. And then they called me a Jew. And I was like, you don't even know what the word Jew means. That's so sad. And... I just just walk away. Just I just walked away. It's and it, unfortunate. It's too bad because, you know, it's just too bad. It's sad. They don't want to hear the truth because their ego will not allow it. And that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they ha- they they get a story that they've heard from a commentary or from a pastor, and they develop an emotional attachment to that, and they won't let it go. You have to understand. You know, this is psychological warfare, brainwashing. It's menticide, it's mind control. And the first seal, trump, and vial is to change your religious authority subtly as Satan did to Eve right off the first pages of your Bible by subtlety, casting doubt on the truth. And they'll tell me, Michael, that's your interpretation. I say, I have the manuscripts. I have five lexicons, even six. And we can go and I can show you these threads that run through the Bible. Nope. So me and Tammy are out here in the wilderness. That just means between cities. Yes. And there's a river down there and everything. It's just awesome. But, you know, it gets lonely and you have to start to never question yourself. And never question God. Always ask questions about God. And, yeah, there was a lot of egotism in that church. And I would just say outright hatred for hearing God's word taught truthfully. Like this few things that I got to say... There was discrimination. They were there disgusted. Was, they, it's too bad. We pray for these people. You know what? Pray for these they're people. They're not Christian people, unfortunately. They're pedestrian Christians, okay? Yeah. They're just doing lip service. We learned about that in the book of Hosea. Now, let's carry on here. And that's sad. It's just the saddest thing. We love to have a full Bible study here, be part of a big church. But when people hear the truth, it's not what they've heard before. So they're just going to romanticize and get an emotional attachment to stories that they've heard before. Such things as flying out of here in a rapture or over there, they think flopping on the floor like a fish and that's speaking in tongues. Like I can teach you 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and you will enjoy it. You will love hearing the truth. But what do people do? As Jesus Christ said, like an old garment with a new patch like an old wine skin putting new wine in it they'll pucker up and explode on you jesus christ knows all things and it's sad that's what they did to me they puckered up and exploded like i got it that's just so sad the email they sent me was just full of hatred and uh so yeah i pray for those people can't hold anything against them we're not pointing fingers at them we just pray for them you know and he confessed he's not the Christ. John the Baptist is not the Christ. And what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. not. 
Isaiah. This is Isaiah, sorry. Are thou, are you that prophet? He said, oh, no, I'm not Isaiah. Then they said unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou, what sayest thou of thyself? Now who sent them? Well, well, we'll get to that in two verses. And he said, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the, said the prophet Isaiah. I'm fulfilling prophecy. God told me this. He's obedient like Abraham. Unquestioned obedience. Faith and works in obedience. No lip service. He walked it and he talked it. And that's written in the book of Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Why would the lead clergy send people of the big church making a ton of money, big fancy pomp, ceremonial church, send you know, people out to see what John's doing. Because there was a crowd of people down there and the shekels weren't going into their collection, uh, plate. collection plate. They were going down there. And that's what this is all about. They're constantly following around people that are telling the truth and they will downvote them the today is the same. All prophecy is for today. All prof all God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings. For examples for us today, before they become fulfilled and exhausted. So when you start to teach the truth, expect it. Expect the mockers and scoffers to come up against you hardcore. And they never seem to get developed to quote the Bible. They'll take random you know, random Bible quotes and try and use it like that. And then they get frustrated and they'll pucker up and explode on you. But we pray for these people. Okay, I lost my train of thought there. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. Now there was Pharisees and Sadducees. There was two big church systems set up. The Sadducees were like the ones, the churches, whatever, follower of one's own beliefs. That was their religion. That, you know, this is it. You just go back to a hole in the ground. It's over. Sadducees did not believe in life after. The Pharisees did. They took the laws of Moses and then they distorted them and they made big ceremonies of them, added their own laws onto it. And that's why when you read in the book of, in the New Testament, the laws don't apply anymore. It's their laws. In the book of Matthew, Jesus Christ said, I came not to change one jit or jaw of the laws of the prophets. I came to fulfill his part in prophecy of the most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. He fulfilled Calvary at the cross as it was prophesied through the whole book. But all the other laws still hold. It's the laws of the Sadducees and Pharisees that do not hold anymore, especially the Pharisees. And you notice that the Sadducees and Pharisees came together, hate united, they didn't like each other. They were opposing church systems. They came together against the Lord Jesus Christ and against Christians. They persecuted him with no mercy. And when they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou not be that Christ nor Elijah? N not Elijah. Well, it says Elijah. I, no, that's... It's, I, I just said it. Isaiah? Isaiah, yeah. It's just written in the spirit of Elijah. Am I getting that wrong? Elijah. You're right. It's just, it's Elijah, not Isaiah. Yeah. And this, yeah, because he was the prophet. Okay, so I said that wrong. Elijah, neither that prophet. John answered, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, who you know not. And there's that word know again, because it takes an effort to get to know him. By seeing, learning, listening, paying attention. It's your formula for invitation. I know not, who you know not. For it is he who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose shoe latches I am not worthy to unloose. That's true. None of us are worthy, as it's written in the book of Revelation. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only one found worthy, first and foremost in importance in the universe, most powerful entity in the universe. 
the only begotten Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. These things were done in Beth Arbara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now, what is baptism? Baptism. Baptism is an act of obedience to sanctify yourself. That means to signal to God and to signal to others that you have now submitted with an unquestioned obedience to the Lord. It is an invitational procedure to adopt yourself back into God's spiritual family. He calls Israel now. To whomsoever will, the whole human family is invited. It is a public outward testimony to an inward change. Signal to others. That's what baptizing is. That's what John was doing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay, so we're going to... We went through Isaiah chapter 53. We're not going to go there now. If you want to know about the Lamb of God, Isaiah chapter 53, read it carefully. If you have any questions, just send us an email at companionchapel at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. This is he of whom I said after me, cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. God was before us. God is the creator. And and I knew him not. It took an effort to get to know him. Again, there's that word new again. It's idol in the Greek. But that he should be made manifest to Israel. God's family, as it's written in the book of Psalms. God's kingdom is Israel. He's the king and that is dominion. That is his children. You have to adopt yourself back into there. Read about that for yourself in Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 8. What is Israel now? And people will look on the map and go, well, it's right there. That's just uh, political since 1948. Okay, what is the biblical Israel? God is the king and that is his dominion. That's where his children dwell. We adopt ourselves back into that. Therefore, I am, be therefore I am become, I am come baptizing with water. And John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. So just... You could tell when he was watching the Lord Jesus Christ. John baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll read in the book of John here that Jesus Christ didn't baptize anybody. But he does it with the Holy Spirit. That means you cleanse your spirit. This was an act of obedience. I'm cleansing myself with water. But he taught his apostles and disciples how to baptize each other. Tammy baptized me. And I believe I baptized you. You did. It was a in the river. of obedience. But let the Lord Jesus Christ baptize your spirit. That's your intellect. The intellect of your soul. Your psyche. Your reactive attitude. That motivates all your actions. Have it cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then keep it meek. That means afflict yourself with self-discipline. You learn to say no to yourself in the face of all the vain curiosities. That come on to us constantly and daily. As it's written. Paul said I die daily. Oh, we could easily follow those vain curiosities. We could easily click on things and allow ideologies to come into our psyche or spirit, which affect our thoughts, intentions, and actions. Ideologies that are outside of God's word. Ideologies that are outside his governmental instructions. And that is idolatry. It's because you end up having faith in it. Ideologies. It's what you end up trusting. Oh, I know something better outside God's word. We'll go for it and see what happens disappointment, failure, mortification of the soul. We pray that, we don't pray that for anybody. Like we want, like me and Tammy do this. 
with no financial interest in the outcome. It'd be nice if you could help us out because we're going to need a new computer, new camera. We want to try and market and manage. We need people to help us in the many member body of Christ with whatever God-given talent you have. And you can go to companionchapel.com, but after 400... Visa MasterCard PayPal. But after 447 <laughs> episodes, yeah, we're doing this because we look at a hurting world. We're looking out into the darkness as it's written in Isaiah chapter 530. It's a dark world out there. And we won't like seeing people walking in darkness. Matthew chapter 5, we mourn for those. What are we mourning for? Those walking in darkness. We're all part of the human family. God wants his children back to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension comprehension it's a place of completeness a place of safety a place of perpetual friendship where we come to an understanding of others pointing fingers is forbidden in the bible to have guile malice or corruption or bitterness towards others as it's written in the book of jude if you have the roots of bitterness plucked up by the roots twice dead twice dead that's bad that means you get snuffed and it, just to get to that point it's absolute mortification of the soul. You will end up in a place where there's no praise or presence of God whatsoever. And we don't want that for anybody. Even people that we don't like. How do you pray for your enemy? Just give it up, man. I'm praying that you're going to give up those ideologies that are hurting other people. Oppressing other people. For like for the love of money. When people invest in anything as long as there's a return. When they get involved in business and they just want what's in it for me. My personal wealth my personal gain and all's fair in business and Satan's construct, rich white man's construct, child labor, labor exploitation, human rights violations, genocide, and what about what we're doing to this planet? Be careful what ideologies you allow into your construct because you're judged. What's on your account, your spirit, your psyche? And so the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same the same as he which baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus Christ, that's how he baptized. He didn't go around putting water on anybody's. He gave them the construct of God's governmental instructions. The ideologies of God. Those walking outside of God's ideologies are said as a deceitful bow. And remember, that's your first file seal in Trump to change the religious authority. That white horse with the crown the bow going to conquer and conquer white denotes trustworthiness can you trust it Jeremiah chapter 17 5 those that trusted the man are cursed the white denoting trustworthiness horse means mobile power throughout the Bible run those threads crown means it has a crowning authority people give it their faith and bow means toxic in the Greek it's a toxic Focus power aimed right at the iris of your eye. Information trying to change your religious authority. So we know, be careful about God's word and Satan's word. The truth always getting smoke screened right now as it's written. The truth getting smoke screened, but the truth will always stand and the truth will set you free. And I saw him bear record of this, that this is the son of God, the only begotten son of God. And again, the next day after John stood and stood at two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Isaiah chapter 53, read that for the Lamb of God lesson. And the two disciples heard him speaking and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said, uh, What's up? Like, what, what do you want? I'm not sure he was nicer than that. But 
And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master, where are you dwelling? Like, where are you kicking it, Jesus? Where are you hanging out at night? Like, where, where are you? And you know what's interesting here is that it doesn't seem like Jesus and John grew up together. Like, there's other historical accounts outside the Bible where Jesus was. He hung out with his uncle, who uh, the tin the tin miner that was rich. That's why he could afford that sepulcher. You know, not many people could afford that because they found coins minted back in Jesus' time when he walked with, uh, on the coin, a boat with, I forget the guy's name, Joseph of Arthemius or something, his uncle. I'm not and sure. there's a kid sitting in the back while they're sailing with a load of tin. Anyway, it's interesting. There's lots of things outside the Bible, but it doesn't seem like John grew up with, uh, even though they were cousins. Mary was Elizabeth's cousin. Okay, let's fly through this now just to get it done. And you can read a lot of this for yourself. And they went, and just so you know, as you're reading the rest of this chapter, for the sake of time, you can do it on your own, that Cephas, Simon, son of Jonah, is Peter himself. So it's the same guy. When you say, because they use different language here, they used Aramaic a little bit. When you say uh, Cephas, you're saying stone. Peter means stone in the Greek. It means movable stone. Jesus Christ is your rock, your only stability. But we have some stones, some lively stones, as it's written in the book of Peter. That's why he got called that name. So, and John talks about, can you raise these stones? Well, that's another lesson for another day. Uh, and then Jesus gets some more of his disciples. You read that for yourself. And then go to verse 46. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any good that come out of Nazareth? Ooh, discs on the city Nazareth there. And Philip said unto him, Come and see. And this is the same word as idol, only it's in a different context. It's ide. It means behold in the sense of command. It takes an effort to get to know him. Behold, it's a command. Come and see. And is that it for that chapter? No, a few more verses. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, and Nathanael said, Behold an Israelite. He didn't say, Behold a Hebrew. Behold a Jew. He didn't say, Behold a son of Jacob, son of Judah. Israelite. Romans chapter 9 will tell you what is an Israelite today in prophetic language. And nothing else matters than where you go when you die. Adopt yourself back into that family. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him whatsoever. Satan had nothing on the Lord Jesus Christ. No sin penetrated him in any manner. Innocent, not guilty, took the lowest earthly position for us. He suffered for us and because of us, for you and because of you. He had to because he had to walk it and all Temptations were focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that blood dropped, that was a universal covenant. I now have the right to set up a millennium temple, to set up a heaven that will not accommodate evil, it will not negotiate with evil, it will not compromise with evil. It is valid, it is legit, it is bona fide, and it is waiting for you. That's your inheritance to adopt yourself back into the biblical terminology of the sons of God, the angels, the hosts of heaven, the stars, the children of Israel, God's dominion. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said 
Unto him, behold, Philip, I saw you under a fig tree. Don't read over that. Remember, Jesus Christ said, know the parable of the fig tree. You can email me if you, if you want me to teach the parable of the fig tree. It's very interesting. And it's very prophetic to this day. And Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, the King of Israel, God's dominion, God's kingdom. As it's written in the book of Psalms, Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I saw thee there, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, and thou shalt see greater things than this. And he said unto him, Truly I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's messengers that goes ahead to the Millennium Temple. When we're there, it's a priestly kingdom. We're teaching those people that had no possible way of hearing this word. People like in North Korea, people that are being oppressed all over planet Earth by governmental and economical institutions that are obscene to the Lord Jesus Christ, that offend the Lord Jesus Christ, that are of the darkness. People that don't have a chance. If you have a chance, God gives much to, he expects much in return. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. I want to thank you very much for watching. Companionchapel at gmail.com. And if you can help us, keep bringing these to you. Companionchapel.com. Visa, MasterCard, PayPal. Whatever you can help us with. I want to thank you very much for watching. How's that, Tammy? That was good. Have yourself a great day. God bless you. And stay tuned for John chapter 2 because it is epic. It is a good chapter. And you're going to be surprised what's in that chapter. You're going to be so surprised, Tammy.